Podcasters Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. In my darkness, set me free. And I hear the Spirit calling me. Hello, this is Pastor Shane Eidelman of Westside Christian Fellowship. Because pastoring can be difficult, challenging, and exhausting, Pastors Unplugged is specifically designed to encourage those in pastoral ministry. I hope you enjoy this episode of Pastors Unplugged. Hello and welcome to this next episode of Pastors Unplugged. It's an interesting topic and there are many different views on it. And that topic is when do we name names? When do we name names? When do we confront and when do we strive for unity? So um, I'm just going to be honest, open, and frank. Not that I normally am not, but on this topic, it's near and dear to my heart because it's a struggle. On one hand, you want to warn people sometimes, but on the other hand, you know, you want to contend for unity because unity is so important. Let me, let me introduce unity for a minute here. The Bible has a lot of verses, especially obviously in the New Testament, about uh, being one-minded, being united, uh, not even allowing a brother or sister who is divisive to really enter into the the body of believers, uh, and that God hates a proud look and hands that shed innocent blood. He also despises those who sow discord among the brethren. And striving for unity, Jesus prayed that we should all be united. So I think that has to be our our backdrop. It has to be our gauge. It has to be our heart. And so the first point from my perspective would be the New Testament clearly instructs us to err on the side of grace. So if you look at how many times Paul named names, uh, which isn't many, and how many times he erred on the side of grace and encouraged people, the grace side would definitely outweigh the naming name side. Secondly, here's where, where we really get it wrong is there are actually ministries built on what I call heresy hunters. I mean, they are like excited about pulling down people. They are guns blazing. They want to, you know, they want to get it out there. They want to pull everyone down and that that doesn't agree quite with them. And look at this person, look at this person. And what happens is they often use the term false teacher very loosely. And this podcast could go a lot of different directions uh, because I have a lot to say on this issue, but on this issue, I'm personally careful because a false teacher, according to Jesus, is a wolf among the sheep, and they are dressed up as sheep, but they are there to devour, and they're there to come in and bring destructive teachings and to really divide the body and to hurt people. And then Peter also talks about um, they are warped. And Jude talks about them as well. They're warped. They are sensual. Uh, they lead people astray and they pull them away from God. And they are, they are just um, a very demonic uh, type of person. I, it would be technically in the ministry or somebody says the right things. A lot of occult, cults could fall under this banner of, of uh, false teachers. Uh, a false prophet is someone, you know, they're out there for the money. They're building their name. And I think those people need to be pointed out when we know for certain. The problem is a lot of people are thrown into the false prophet or false teacher uh, arena who are not. They just don't agree with their 
uh, thoughts or their teachings on the non-essentials. For example, I've seen a lot over the years, those who are in the camp of what they would call cessationist, believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. They quickly name names as far as that person's a false prophet, that person's a false teacher, that person. And I know some of these people and they're, they're not false prophets. They're godly men and women of God, but because they disagree on this non-essential they so I'm just I just cringe sometimes when people use this term. I think it should be reserved for when we know somebody's actually a false prophet, a false teacher, and um, we have to be careful too. Uh, when we do we know for certain, or maybe if we don't, we just warn people of their teaching. So here comes the main part of this podcast. The main question really hinders and hinges on this. I am to strive for unity, correct? We don't want to give the world the impression we're pulling each other down, we're uh, shooting each other, you know, friendly fire, and it should be a heart of worship, a heart of unity. But at what point do you say, okay, that person in the body, that leader in the body of Christ is actually doing a lot of damage to the body of Christ. So in my pursuit of unity and basically keeping my mouth shut is that greater than the destruction or is the fruit of me doing that greater than the destruction of what they're doing to the body of Christ? In other words, you know, I don't need to really say anything about that. It's not, uh, I don't know, I might cause some division. I might cause some confusion. It's, it's not a hill to die on, but there are some things that are hills to die on. And if I remember, we'll put in the, if we can do this on Podbeam and, and iTunes, I think we're on 18 different platforms now. Uh, so it's kind of hard sometimes to remember to put this in the description, but I know you can find it on YouTube and let me go to it real quick here on YouTube. And the title of it is uh, shocking, a discussion. Uh, you can put this exact, the exact wording in. I just want to open it up. Uh, I just did a podcast on this topic, shocking, a discussion on the silence of liberal pastors. And I mentioned some names and you know, that's, that's where it becomes challenging is let, let's, for example, let's, let's throw out some, some names out there. Let's say, you know, when we talk about like Andy Stanley, Steve Furnick, uh, Rick Warren, um, Joel Osteen, um, mainly it's mainly a lot of the bigger mega churches. And what's happening is, you know, normally don't say anything. And, and I would definitely wouldn't call those individuals false prophets and false teachers from my perspective. However, what they're doing right now, our nation is a, is at a very pivotal point. We are at we are at a crossroads. We are calling good evil and evil good. The pulpits need to be aflamed with righteousness. We need to wake up. The only hope is a spiritual awakening. And I feel that a lot of these people out there, especially the ones with a big audience, don't want to lose their audience, and so um, they don't say anything controversial. You rarely hear them talk about genuine, heartfelt, deep repentance, mourning for your sin, the judgment of God, the blood of Christ, and all these things that are absolutely vital, especially right now where we're at. So the silent pulpit is not necessarily God's pulpit. So when, um, let's say somebody comes out, these teachers, some of these guys and say, you know, it's, it's not the church's goal to save America. We don't want to get political. And so on one hand, I see what they're saying. And, but on the other hand, it depends on who is saying that because what they're, the reason they're saying that is to excuse 
their lack of confrontation. And that's how they get out of it. Oh, no, no, I'm not supposed to be involved in these areas. Let me just, let me just focus on the things that are pleasing to hear, motivational, seven steps to financial breakthrough, 12 steps to a healthy uh, and abundant life, uh, four key principles to longevity, and our nation is crumbling. And so I, I think it's okay sometimes to lovingly challenge and say, guys, we need to wake up. The silence during COVID, the silence during what is the, the, the rioting and the mayhem and the confusion in our streets, the LGBTQ agenda and Hollywood and corporate America and the wokeness. And shouldn't they be lovingly rebuked for being quiet? I, I don't understand why, why can't we name names in that case? Say, guys, you got to wake up because see, we want to err on the side of grace. We've been erring on the side of grace. Um, it's not our heart. We don't get excited about this. I would rather not record this podcast, but at what point do you say, okay, enough is enough because that is what iron sharpening iron is. So a lot of people have a false uh, um, definition of unity. They think that unity is unity for the sake of unity, no matter what, um, you just, you just, you know, whether you have to compromise a little bit, whether you have to just remain silent on everything, it doesn't matter. Unity, no matter what biblical unity actually is unity of doctrine, unity of faith. Unity is, is like going in the same direction with the same goals, the same passion and not, you know, judging another person as far as uh, critiquing them or knocking them down when they're caught in sin. It's building them up, encouraging them, walking down the same course of life together. Unity of faith, unity of doctrine, unity of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not divided whatsoever, uh, but the Holy Spirit will at times instruct us to lovingly challenge our brothers and sisters. It happens to me. It happens to some of you. So the, to answer the question, should we name names? Um, I would say yes, when God definitely puts on your heart, you spend a lot of time in prayer and worship and brokenness and humility. Uh, you're not excited about it. You really don't want to do it, but you feel it's time to to finally say something. Uh, you've been erring on the side of grace. Uh, you've checked your own heart first. You've removed the plank from your eye, and then you can now clearly see the speck in your brother's eye. And so I think from time to time, it's okay to say Hey guys, we got to wake up in this area or even to warn people. Um, you know, that's, I remember when, um, like Rob Bell's book came out on hell and, uh, Tony Jones or Doug Padgett, Brian McLaren. when I first got involved in ministry, they were part of the emergent church and I would, and still do warn people about the segment of what they consider Christianity. But when you don't, um, you know, a lot of deconstructionism is going on. You're hearing that lately. You know, these major, major players in the Christian faith have lost their faith. What's going on? Well, a lot of times, I don't know if they really had faith to begin with. Saving faith, fire on fire for God, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, sons and daughters of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to them as a guarantee. And though they will fall, they will get back up because God pulls them back up. And, and they might be in a prodigal state, but they're miserable and they come back home to the Father. And so, you know... These, these, a lot of these guys are not um, really doing anything to, um, they're not, they're not, what am I trying to say? Let me back up a little bit. The names I just mentioned, the, the, the emergent church movement, they are questioning the faith 
Uh, people say, well, they're not doing anything really. They're not blatant. But yeah, but when you start to say, I don't know if God really said that. I don't, I don't know. You know, killing Jesus was cosmic child abuse. That's their words. Um, you know, I think we need to redefine sexuality and, and holiness really means, um, you know, agreeing with one another, even if it's, if, even if it's for fornication purposes and, um, you know, one of the ladies interviewed, I saw an interview on, on her. She's a Methodist, I think pastor. And, um, it's just kind of, there's no solid doctrine. There's no solid theology. And it's kind of like, I'm not sure I believe a God, that God of the Bible. And, and then to me, it's actually really prideful very prideful to challenge God. And so I have, I have, I have uh, um, a passion for these people. I, I compassion as well, because they're just, they're confused. And I don't believe, how does God's word say that? And I don't quite understand that. And I often say, I don't want to go over to, I don't want to go to hell over a mystery. I don't want to be rejected from God because or I don't want God to reject me or I reject him, I should say, because I don't understand everything about him. All I know is he's given us absolute truth. That truth has been tested in the furnace of affliction. It's lasted kingdoms and it's conquered armies. It's uh, historically, prophetically, archaeologically, scientifically accurate. It gives life. It is like a double-edged sword. It is, it is, it is truth for all men for all time. Times change, but truth does not. And so you, you've preached that truth. You live by that truth. You love that truth. The truth is the foundation of everything. But then something comes in postmodernism where, you know, we can't really know that that is the truth. Are, are you sure that's really the truth? And they begin to question uh, the truth. And then when they do that, they cause others to question the truth. And that's where I have to say something. That's where I have to, in love, name names and say, be very careful. Uh, and then with other people, you know, we could say like those names. I wouldn't put Steve Furnick, Joel Steen, Rick Warren, Andy Stanley. I wouldn't put those guys in the other camp at all. I'm The, uh, the, the false prophet. I would just say, number one, a lot of those guys have a different calling than me. They they don't have a John the Baptist, repentance is burning in my bones, you know, his fire is in my bones, shut up, I'm weary of holding it back, I cannot. So we have different callings, they're not going to, many of those guys aren't going to preach as boldly, and, and that's okay, that's a different calling, they're more motivational, uh, they're not as confrontational, they're more like a shepherd versus a prophetic voice, so that's that's great, we need to recognize that, but when it comes down to, we all should be saying the same thing in regard to the totality of scripture. Although let's say I preach about repentance often or judgment or the blood of Christ. And that's where God has me. Although they won't do that as often, that should be a mark of their ministry leading people to repentance. That's the gospel. The gospel is here's the good news, repent and embrace the good news, repent and believe. And so when our nation is looking for answers with the writing, with the race issues, with systematic racism, with CRT, with wokeness, and they're not saying anything, to me, they're actually divided from me because I'm on this mission of honoring God, honoring God's word. And a lot of these guys are on a different side mission where they don't want to offend anyone. They don't want to upset anyone. They don't want to ruffle feathers to just want to sing songs and, and not upset and, and, uh, and I understand that because I don't want to upset. But when you spend time with God, you spend time as word. Boldness is a byproduct. It, it just comes out of you through brokenness and humility and being filled with the spirit. And so that's the, the issue with naming names is we don't want to do it often. It's a, a last resort, not a first. We err on the side of grace. We make sure, you know, something, it's a hill worth dying on because I think the silent pulpit 
is causing a lot more damage in our nation than me possibly naming names from time to time. So hope that helps. I don't have time to go through. I know a lot of people ask a lot of different names out there. Um, you know, and I see people like you do, Kenneth Copeland, uh, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, and I, man, I just can't, I can't line up with their ministry. It's just so many things they say are just perplexing to me. And, uh, and then you have people like, you know, T.D. Jakes or Joyce Meyer. And um, I remember, I haven't heard of T.D. Jakes in a decade or so, but I remember he started out good in the 1990s. I don't know where he's at. I don't, you know, I don't follow that ministry much, but he's, he was powerful preacher in the 1990s at men's conferences. And um, now do these people, then do they, they get successful and then kind of just kind of back away a little bit. Um, I actually did have the privilege of speaking in the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas around 2003 or four to their group of women on, on health and fitness. And I was able to ask them like the elders about name it, claim it, faith, the Trinity, oneness, Pentecostalism. And, and they all lined up with what I believed. They don't believe in the oneness view. They were, they don't believe in name it, claim it, you know, your faith must stand trial. And so that was kind of eye opening for me. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't follow the ministry. Joyce Meyer, I know says, says some questionable things in the past, but I've heard that, you know, she repented of it and said, oh yeah, I didn't mean that about Jesus going to hell. And I should have clarified that. See what happens is just because you see somebody on TBN or TV doesn't mean they're a false prophet. Doesn't mean they're, they're a weird charismatic who doesn't know the Lord. I've seen John MacArthur on TV. I've seen David Jeremiah on TV. I've seen Chuck Swindoll and uh, Charles Stanley on TV. I've seen Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort on TV. And these guys are solid, solid guys. So just because somebody's on TV or, I mean, TBN wanted to interview me. I'm going to drive to their studio. I'm going to talk about repentance. I'm going to talk about the blood of Christ. And and I'm going to be thrown into this camp, I'm sure. And so we just have to be careful that I would say not rushing to err, to, to err on the side of judgment. And also Proverbs says, make sure you hear both sides before concluding a matter. Make sure you hear both sides before con- con- concluding a matter. Here, know the heart of the person. Do your research. Do your due diligence. Because a lot of those YouTube videos out there are not healthy, guys. They're not good. Those heresy hunters, they've got critical hearts. Many of them probably are not even saved themselves. And you're letting them cause division in your life and pull down certain teachers. So just be careful. Do a little bit of homework. Uh, for example, um, one of uh, that become, uh, has become a friend of, over the years is Dr. Michael Brown. And a solid guy. Love his articles. He was part of the Brownsville Revival. And then I was just amazed at how many people would email me. I can't believe, you know, he's your friend. I can't believe you support. Wait, wait, hold on. What are you talking about? Oh, he's part of the, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, I get it confused with the National Rifle Association that I was a part of. Uh, the NAR. And, and uh, you know, he's got videos out about there that he's not part of that. He doesn't really know what it is. It's It's something that maybe developed years ago, but he's not part of that. And um, so what happens is cessationists throw us all under the bus. They want, they want to, they want to go after those who believe in the gifts and the power of the Holy spirit and uh, talking with him, looking at his doctrine, theology, you know, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all solid. So just be careful. Now, do things happen at revivals like Brownsville? I've seen videos too. Like many of you, it's like, Ooh, boy, I don't know. That's interesting. But a lot of times those videos are taken out of context and they are filmed without the support of the leadership. Not all the time, but sometimes. I know we've had things happen at our church where if somebody showed a video or um, or our members were out doing something in the public, it would not represent our church well. And so I think erring on the side of grace, uh, understanding we don't have all the answers, unless something is clear cut, you know, I'd be very careful. 
to buy into a lot of the, the heresy hunter websites out there and YouTube channels, uh, err on the side of grace. Um, and it's interesting. Sometimes people tell me something I say, okay, show me, show me where they said that. Show me where they, they denied this and, and were way off. And, of the time, people can't send me anything. It's just something they heard, something they thought. And so, again, be very careful, err on the side of grace, do your homework, maybe listen to some sermons instead of constantly putting people down. Maybe don't put people down for a season. Let let God, I'm just, it just amazes me how excited people get on Facebook or social media to slam people, whether it is some of those people I mentioned. I mean, they are just excited about it. Um, where for me, it breaks my heart. It's like these guys, you know, talking about their million dollar, million dollar jets and, and they're multimillionaires and this is arrogance and bombasticness. It breaks my heart too. And, and I don't like to name names sometimes, but, um, I think sometimes it has to be done. So anyway, I hope that helps. So should we name names? I would say no, if you want to do it and you're critical and you're just excited about it and you've got a mean spirit then be very careful. But if we've got to name names, we've got to warn people. We've got to say, Hey, you might want to consider this. Like when the shack came out, that book, the shack, I remember I was just coming, just came back to Lord. I read it. I really liked it. Even though some things I didn't work a little bit bizarre. I mean, like not bizarre, but just, Oh, that's weird that Jesus is a black lady or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but then you start to research it more and you're like, Oh, this guy, boy, he believes in universalism, it looks like. And yeah, it's kind of dangerous. And and you kind of want to, you know, warn people a little bit about certain things that are out there. And so um, I think it's the heart, if the heart's right, if you've taken to the Lord, you're trying to be humble and gracious. Uh, I think we are supposed to warn. We're supposed to speak the truth in love. We're supposed to supposed to warn others of destructive heresies and, and teachings that come in. Uh, iron sharpens iron. I think if somebody goes public, a public, some of these public speakers, and they say something public, then they need to be lovingly confronted. I think it was Steve Furnick who said something like, you know, I am God uh, in the context of a sermon. I don't know if he stumbled or fumbled. And, and, you know, if I were him, I would have definitely corrected that big time, like the next day. And I don't know if he ever did. And so those kind of things, um, you know, Joe Olstein will go on programs and talk, you know, and they'll ask him if a Mormon is going to heaven and he'll just, oh, you know, I don't really know Larry King. I mean, that's not, that's between God and me and them. That, I'm not their judge. And, and what about somebody struggles, you know, the, the same sex attraction or, and they, they've, re, they've rejected God. Oh, I don't know. That's not my job. You know, it is your job. It is your job. You're a pastor. You tell people what the Bible says. So I think sometimes these guys are just motivational speakers and they need a mighty, mighty, mighty filling of the Holy Spirit. And they need to spend a lot of time with God in, in the prayer closet and broken and humble before him. And then out of that might come a prophetic voice. Out of that might come a shepherd who is more loving and cautious and concerned. And so we just have to respect that we have different callings. Uh, I know people aren't as bold as me, and I don't expect them to be. I'm, there's other people who are bolder than me. And um, and we just have to find that sweet spot of where and what God has designed us, how he's designed us and what he has designed us for. And then encourage others in their race. Encourage those people. I, I would I would take time and I would encourage Andy Stanley or Steve Furnick. Or Joel Steen, I would encourage him if I had a chance to talk with them, but I'd also say, hey, guys, you know, you really, really need to rethink. God has given you an incredible pulpit for our nation, and and this is the time to call our nation to repentance and to just brokenness and humility, and I think we're dropping the ball in that area. Uh, And there are also also some bold pastors out there that I've, I've lovingly confronted. Uh, on the side and just said, guys, this bombastic, arrogant attitude 
is is not befitting someone filled with the Spirit. And people have come to me, and that's how I've been shaped over the years and fine-tuned over the years and how my iron has gotten sharper over the years uh, and been humbled over the years. And we have to be open to that constructive criticism. And that's really the key. Be open to constructive criticism, but not critical heart criticism. There's a big, big difference there. So anyway, hope this little bit of information helped and that we can all focus on unity. Uh, if I were you, I would end end this after this ends by just praying, Lord, help me be focused on unity. I know it's important to you. I, I don't want to have a judgmental, critical heart. Lord, let me pray for some of these people. Let me not post things so rashly and quickly. And Lord, I just want to be led of your spirit. And Lord, please change the hearts of some of these people. But we do pray for these false teachers and false prophets. And we pray for these other people who just need to get a, a backbone and, and be filled with your spirit, filled with the spirit of boldness. And Lord, give me that gentleness and that grace. And Lord, I don't want to judge as quickly anymore. Let me just be focused on unity and uniting the body and erring on the side of grace. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I think that is a prayer that God will answer because love, true love, according to the Bible, it says love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, try to pull people down and the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and goodness and long-suffering and gentleness and things like that. So I think we have to err on that fruit of the Spirit. And then once you're filled with that fruit of the Spirit, then if, if the Holy Spirit of God prompts you to to um, reach out to others and lovingly rebuke them. Uh, we, we definitely have biblical warrant for that too, but we have to remove our pride. That is the key. So hope that helps. If you need additional support, you can visit my website, shaneidleman.com, where I will also write about many of the topics that we will be discussing. Sermons and free downloads of my books are also available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.